And we have been in John chapter 1. This is the second week, and we started this new Christmas series through December, uh, just simply entitled Jesus, that each week we'll look at an aspect of his attribute and character, who he was, and also what he came to bring. And so last week we looked at life, and this week we will look at light primarily, that Jesus is light. And that is a theme throughout, you'll see. And so I'm going to read again. I read John uh, from John 1, and I'm going to read through verses 4 through 13. Uh, and, and this, again, is about the incarnation. This is the passage of Scripture. John opens his gospel with the word becoming flesh. And so you'll see that as we read it together. I'm going to read from verses 4 all the way through 13 there this morning. This is what the word of the Lord says. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. With that, let me pray for us. Father in heaven, we praise you for your word, for its truth. Pray that you would now speak by your spirit, illuminate our hearts so that we would know who you are, what you've done, and what we are to do in light of that as a response. I pray that we would see Jesus clearly. And Father, that we would know him today as the light of the world. And We pray these things in his name and all God's people said. So last week, we said Jesus came as life to give his life so that you could walk in the newness of life. And we concentrated on life. This morning, we're going to look at the aspect of light. And like I started last week, I'm going to invite Isaiah. He is ready to come and open the gift. You can come right up the stairs. I invited a child up here last week to open this and show us what it is, a present. Oh, I'm, I'm going to give it to you, man. Hands off. Don't get in the kid's way when they open packages. Any guesses on what's in here? You have any guesses? A light bulb. That's a good guess. Oh, man, who wraps these things? I think it's this way. Show us what this is. In plastic, too? Ooh. Pull that up. Pull it up. Oh, lantern. Thank you, sir. Thank you. You can go. I'm not going to give you the trash because I got scolded about that from people last week when they said, oh, you gave the kid the wrapping paper to take with you. <laughs> lantern, right? A light. We keep these in our house when the power goes out. We keep them right under the sink and uh, a little hard to find, I guess, if power goes out, but everybody has cell phones. Um, but we keep them there for emergencies like that. And maybe like you, you have flashlights in certain spots. And we keep this right there when there's darkness. We know that you can use this when you camp. You have to walk around. 
uh, in the dark, and, and this will light your way. And it's, it's not mind-blowing that we had a, a light or a light bulb in there this morning, but it represents light in the darkness, exposing what we need to see, and that's what Jesus came to do to a dark world. You see, kids can use them when they need a little extra light if they fear the dark. We can use them to read, not to disturb others. Just a little bit of light penetrates the darkness. And we know when it's dark, you need light to see. The same is true of this world. Sin and darkness covered the world, and then the light of Jesus comes. Jesus came as light to shine his light so that you could walk in the light. And light is important because we know, we take it for granted, right? But it helps us see what we could not see before. Now, sin and darkness did cover the earth, and its presence is still very real today, but it wasn't always that way. Just as we saw last week that life was present at creation, so was light. We look back to Genesis 1-3, this will be on the screen there, when God said, let there be light in creation, and there was light. And the next verse said, it saw, and then he saw it was good. Speaks about Jesus, the Logos in John 1. The word was with God, was God, and continues to be God. He was there in the beginning, right? Jesus was at creation, and there was light. He was present in all of that. And there was no sin until man rebels against God in his heart and enters in physical, not physical darkness, but rather spiritual darkness. I'm going to read this list of words, and I want you to just think about these as it pertains to you in your own life. Separation. Fear. Anxiety. Shame. Depression. Hopelessness. Despair. Wickedness. Death. I made that list as I just thought of many of you and what we struggle with on a day-to-day basis as a result of sin, that many of you probably hearing one of those words or maybe a, a couple of them just kind of cringe because you know that's the effect of sin and pain in this world. We can all relate to these wor- words, but we know that these words represent the darkness of our world and our lives. We know that all those things don't really, at the moments we experience all of those things that I mentioned in emotion and thought, we don't think that that's very light when we're doing those, when we're thinking those things. Those aren't the best things of light, of life, rather. And last week we spoke about Jesus as life, and the Bible sees those two things connected, life and light, and John's word speaks to that, the two not being separated. And we see this in verse 4. We know this, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. You see, the light combines with life as a metaphor for the purpose of clarity and contrast. God's life is true and holy, the life of Christ. But light is that truth and holiness manifest, manifest against the darkness and the lies. As when Jesus comes in as holy and true, he comes against the darkness as a contrast. Everything the world is and stained by sin is not Jesus. He's completely different than that. He's the one that penetrates that darkness. All those words that I mentioned, he's the one that comes at all those words in your life and shines light right into them. 
We see this mentioned later in the book of John as Jesus makes this claim himself. And many of us know this verse in John 8, 12, in which Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. We'll look at that in a little bit more clarity in a little bit here. We also see that represented in the Old Testament as well in Psalm 36, 9. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. That's being in the presence of God. That's what it's like to be with God and to know God. We have light. We can see clearly through the darkness of our own world and in this world. Last week, we looked at life and the Greek word for it was zoe. Zoe. Zoe came and told me after worship. She said, you said my name today. I said, yeah, of course I did. She's paying attention. This morning, we we look at light, the Greek word phos or phos, however you uh, speak your Greek translation there. But that's what that word means. And John uses it here, not in any other way than to reveal who Christ is. It describes how light makes things evident or clear or exposed. And when Jesus came to earth, he exposed the darkness of sin by his very presence being light. He revealed to men and women and children that we need him, that we need to see. And so this morning, I want to look at our theme verse. Every week, I told you I'd pick a verse. Last week was chapter, or chapter 1, verse 4. And this week is verse 9, which reads again, The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. Now, I focus in that verse and kind of Bible study. Three words stood out to me when I looked at that verse, and it's the way that I would organize our brief time together this morning. This is what I would say about this. It offers illumination to every person. You see that word, everyone? That's the first word. When I looked at that verse, I saw everyone. I thought, everyone, this offers, Jesus offers this illumination to everyone. The second word that we see in that verse is enlightens. What is enlightenment? It's this awareness. It shines light in the darkness. This awareness that, that, when we have light exposed things, we, we become, oh, and when we think about that in, in our mind, when we're enlightened, we oh, I get that now. And that's what Jesus came to do. And the third word that we see in that verse is true. That's who Jesus is. And the trueness of his light, listen to this, friends, we saw this earlier, is that darkness does not overcome true light. It cannot. So it offers illumination to every person, everyone. It shines light in the darkness, enlightening us to spiritual things. And we have a promise that darkness does not overcome it. Let's look at the first word, everyone. Jesus came to bring light to everyone. And John uses the word world often in his gospel. We know that from John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. He talks about the world as his inclusive way of saying all of humankind on the earth, all of creation. God loved that. And he uses it here that Jesus came to bring light to everyone. Now, I don't, I think I've shared this before, but if you, how many of you have been to the Cave of the Mountains? If you've been there, you know if they do this part. And when I went there on a field trip with, um, with Michaela when she was younger, they do the thing where they do experience total darkness and you're in the caves and they shut off all the flashlights and all the wall lights that they have strung up in there and all of that and they have you say put your hand in front of your face and they wait a while because we know when it's dark right but there's a little bit of light our eyes can adjust put your hand in front of your face you cannot see a thing total darkness and when you experience something like that it's kind of terrifying 
You experience that in a way that often people with blindness, that's their world. And so it's all these ways that you start to think about that. But we know that that kind of darkness is much like spiritual darkness. Those of us who know Christ and maybe formerly didn't know Christ, we know that when Christ comes into our life and illuminates us with the hope of the gospel, it's a stark contrast. Wow, what would it be like to live in spiritual darkness? And yet we know so many people who do. And spiritually blind people cannot see the light of God, John is saying here, until God himself awakens them by the Spirit. That's what it said there in verse 13, who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And John writes of this light that people can now run to. This is what he's prophesying about. John the disciple is authoring the gospel text, talking about John the Baptist, who is not the true light, but being a bearing witness to the light. He's saying this is coming to the world. Spiritual darkness will not have to exist anymore. There can be an awakening and an enlightening of people. And then Jesus comes along when he's born and makes that claim in John 8, 12, right? I am that light. And anyone who follows will no longer walk in darkness. We ought to be praising God for that. And this is an invitation that he makes to everyone. Not just a select few. The invitation is for everyone. The Jewish people, the children of Israel, being God's chosen nations, now a light to the Gentiles and salvation, bursting that forth. It says that this will enlighten everyone. Now, wait a minute, you're thinking. Enlighten everyone? What is that all about? How can Jesus enlighten everyone? Does that mean all people are believers? I'm glad you asked. Here's the thing about Jesus. He confronts all people within the divine witness, that's everyone, through creation and conscience, which means it's unavoidable to anyone. At the same time I say that people are spiritually blind, I could also say that Jesus does enlighten everyone. Through his word, it is unavoidable when you meet him. So here's the light of Jesus, life, truth, and holiness, and those who believe in it, trust in Christ by faith and step into that, and they're saved, and they're now drawn out of darkness. But those in the light then don't remain in darkness, and unbelievers who remain in darkness remain eternally lost. But here's the deal, the meaning of this enlightenment, not because they do not know the truth, but because they reject it. If you have your Bible, it'll be on the screen, but you flip ahead to Romans 1, 18 through 21, this is what God said about this very thing. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the what? Truth, the true light, right? For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. That sounds like someone who could see, right? Clearly perceived in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were what? Darkened. Jesus does enlighten everybody through conscience and creation. This is much like the language you see in chapter one in John there in verses 10 and 11, right? He was in the world and yet the world was made through him, was present at creation, and yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. 
People without excuse. He was in the world. The world was made through him, and yet they didn't know him. But the verse before says Jesus enlightens everyone. He does. The very real presence of light and creation leaves people without excuse. They suppress the truth. What can be known about God, what is plain to them, he's revealed in creation, but they simply reject it. They love the darkness too much. That's the world that you and I, as Christ followers, go in to engage those who reject the truth of Christ. And we know so desperately know that they need him. And we want to shine that light to others. Now we know that the one who rejects Christ, the light, the one who rejects him cannot be saved. For John 8, 24, Jesus himself said that you will die in your sins for unless you believe that I am me, you will die in your sins. That's the message of the gospel, right? That if you stay there in the darkness without Jesus, Without placing your faith in him, that's where you die. His own did not receive him. Think about that for a second. His own did not receive him. That's what it says in verse 11. The created, rejecting the creator. You see, many people in our world don't believe in God, and I know that you can think of many. I'm guessing you are here because you're at least thinking about, yes, whether you do or many of us do. But many of us can think of a people in our family, they just don't believe in God. And many of them have different reasons, but a lot of them seem to have a similar reason. I don't believe in God because he doesn't even care about the darkness in our world. Many would say that. If God cared so much, he would step into it. God doesn't care. Evil, wickedness happens, and God just sits there. And I think that's what a lot of people think, because of all the evils and darkness and tragedy in our world, how could a good God just stand there and watch? And I would say the opposite is true. As you would, who agree, the opposite is true. He very much cares about our world. In fact, that's why he would go to the greatest extent to save and redeem it. Friends, do you know that God could just destroy the earth? I mean, do we come to worship that Likely, that'd be a little bit of a terrifying way, but that's what it means in reverence and fearing God. Do we know that God has the power to just crush the earth whenever he wants? That he could have done that when sin came into the world? Do you know that, do you ever think of God in that way? Not as a scary thing, but a, as a reverent, like he has the power to just like, you know what, you people just ignore me, idolize other things all the time and just crush it. That's we ought to think that way at times to just be in awe of God's power and might. He could just crumple it up like a piece of paper, like he was writing a letter, like, oh, no, that's, that's no good, that copy. But we know he doesn't, right? We know he can't in a way because his word has declared promise. And so he sends light to a dark world. That's the second thing, the word that we see there in John 1.9, that it teaches us that light shines in the darkness. Jesus came as light to shine as light so that you could walk in the light. That's the real thing about enlightenment, friends, offers awareness and hope in a dark world. When Jesus came, he brought that to its fullest. Think about the way, you could just flood your head with gospel stories right now, the way he walked around and touched people and healed, the way he was compassionate when he saw needs and he met them, the way that he would hear people say, my daughter's just died, and he said, have faith, your daughter will get up again, you should be healed. Like we, the compassion of Jesus to bring that kind of hope to a world, and it's still happening today the way he walked and loved and healed, and all of those things that you and I, remember that list I read at the beginning? All those things that you and I battle every day 
all of our sorrows, diseases, fears, hardship, Jesus comes in. And I want you to hear this today. And he didn't just do it as a baby in a manger where we sing about it at Christmas time. He comes into the, all those moments and he shines light right into it. And he says, are you depressed? Do you struggle with that? I want to shine light right into that. Do you have fears and anxieties that are overwhelm you? I want to shine light right into that. Do you have things about you, that your situation, your life that you wish were different? I want to shine light into that. Do you feel pressed? And we're going to read this in a little bit and crushed on sides where we're not crushed as believers, but do you feel that? I want to shine light into that moment where you are. Whatever that is for you, whether that's cancer, whether that's addiction, whether the temptation of sin and wickedness, he says, I want to shine light. I want to I want, like, reveal myself in that so that you can know I'm better than any earthly satisfaction you can have. Whatever it is, Christ came to shine the light right into that. All of those things. Flip over, if you have your Bible, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Many of us know this well, but I just want to read it for us. I'm going to pick up in verse 4. And this is Paul writing about the light of the gospel. This is what he says. It's a little, not terribly long. I'm going to read it. Regardless of it, it would be long and short. I don't even know why I said that. He says, in their case, people that are blinded spiritually, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And then he speaks of himself and the believers. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with our servants as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's the light. And then he goes on to say this about who we are as broken vessels with light penetrating through us, little cracks in us in our lives. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in you, in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And then I think this, to me, this wordplay for this light and not revealing but temporary, momentary affliction. That's what he calls it. It's, it's light in comparison. All that we go through is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Did you see that? That's... That's, that's sin and despair on earth and life that we cannot escape. There will always be brokenness. And, and Paul writes about this and says, this is your jar of clay. When you know the light of Christ, 
you know that, that, that this is what Jesus came to just shed light on in darkness and humanity, and you ex- still experience the pains of that. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to have the hope of the gospel, and God's going to do this miraculous, supernatural, powerful work through your light, life of brokenness by his light. So don't lose heart. It's temporary. It doesn't even compare Do you see that? The third thing we can know from verse 9 about the light is that it's true light, which means that darkness does not overcome it. That's what Paul was writing about. We have this treasure that darkness will not, has not, will not overcome. Look at verse 5 again in John chapter 1. It says, There was a man, or the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man who was sent from God whose name was John. He came to bear witness about that light. The light that the darkness could not overcome. That's the light that shines. And other translations say, understand the light, didn't understand it, didn't comprehend it. But I think overcome is the best translation, meaning that it doesn't win. That list that I read earlier, it doesn't win against the light of Christ. Those dark things in your life, they don't claim the day. They don't overcome it. And the meaning is not that darkness failed to understand the truth about Jesus. Friends, they know it all too well. Satan and his demons know the truth of Jesus all too well. It means that they simply just don't win. The darkness understands the total clarity and with total clarity and judgment that awaits for them. Satan and his demons know that, but they continue to try to kill life and distinguish the light. That's how that happens in our lives, right? Through those things like depression, shame, sinfulness, despair, cancer, disability, sickness, economy, all of those things, Satan tries to distinguish the light. But he's different than that, right? That's why we celebrate. That's why we come and worship because it cannot be overcome. It simply cannot be. Jesus shed light on all of it and reminds us that we win in the Christian life. Those things are real. It's not to minimize them. They're real. They, they're struggle. There'll always be hardships on earth. But Jesus comes in and he like interrupts that, bringing hope. That's why we celebrate this season the way we do. This is what humanity, like God himself, came into humanity and broke into that and shined light. 400 years of waiting between the Old Testament and the New. These people clinging to the prophets, hoping for Messiah. And then he comes in. And he grows up in wisdom and stature and he walks along and he places his hand and heals. And he, and he opens the eyes of the blind and he restores health. And he does all these miracles to which we often say, why doesn't he do that for me then? Why doesn't he do? One day he will. That's what Paul is writing about. This is all light, but we have the guarantee. We don't know all the reasons why he doesn't do that for us in the moments, but we know enough to, to agree with the theology of Paul writing here. This is that doesn't even compare to what's coming and it's promised and it's hopeful. Which is why we need constant exposure in the light of Jesus. This is not a one-time thing and this is where I want to leave us. You and I need constant exposure in this light. When you tell him you're sorry for your sins and thank him for the cross and then, and then are glad you have heaven and then run off into the darkness, that's not it. That's not it. This is about walking with him, being in constant exposure so that you could be in the best place possible. Many of you were probably thinking this. I hope you were. How could I go a whole message without mentioning DC Talk's song, 
in the light. This is what the lyric is. I want to be in the light as you are in the light. I want to shine like the stars in the heaven. Jesus came as light to shine as light so you and I could walk in the light. We have two, at least from this text, that I can see responsibilities as believers. We have many, right? But at least two for today, to walk in the holiness and truth of the gospel of Christ and to share it with others. That's to walk in the light of the gospel of Christ in holiness and truth and to be a light to others. And that light makes both possible because the light of truth and holiness exposes our hearts and the sinfulness within them. When we are around this book and we are around other believers, when we want constant exposure in the light, that's what it does. It exposes the things that draw us away from the light and reveals to us so that we confess and repent and come back into the light. And then we are going to live when we walk out those doors in a dark world that needs to proclaim the message of the light of Christ. Let me just read you, and I'm just going to, as I close, just read you a list of some verses about both of these things and responsibility that we have. This is an, exhaust, is an exhaustive uh, capture of God's word about the light, but it's, it might be helpful for us. 1 John 1.5, right? This is the message we have heard from him and to proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Matthew 5.14, you, the church, are the light of the world. A city on a hill, set on a hill, cannot be hidden. 2 Corinthians 4.6, we read it earlier. For God who said, let, there, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's what he's done with all of our hardships he says, I've done that so that you can shine for other people. Philippians 2.15, so that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. 1 Thessalonians 5.5, 5. for you are all children of the light, children of the day. We are not of the night or the darkness. So don't go there. 1 John 1.7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, which is where the song came from, by the way, this scripture verse, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And we know this well, Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Friends, that is this book for us. Do you know the, the, fa the fantastic thing about these and the, the not-so-fantastic thing about these when we compare it to our faith journey? Is that when you carry one around in the darkness... How many steps ahead can you see? Not all of them, right? You can only see a few steps ahead, often in really dark darkness. And much like our faith, you can see only the few steps ahead, and you take those. And what happens when you take those first few? Then you see a couple more, and you see a couple more. And that's what Jesus desires from us, to walk in the light in such a way where we hold this out, the word of life, and doing all that it does for us, exposing who we are and exposing our world for need of this salvation. And we take a couple steps and then we get to see the next couple steps and the next couple, but we don't get to see them all, do we? But that's what God did in sending his son to shine this light in such a way that we could trust him. So where do you go from here? Jesus came as light to shine his light so that we could walk in the light. I offer you these four things before I pray for us. If you're here and you do not know the light of salvation, respond to that today in faith. Say, God, I've never trusted you as Lord and Savior. Maybe I've done the whole check the box thing, but that is not the, the true worship of my heart. And give him that today. 
Say, I want to be in light as you are in the light. Come to the Father today and thank him for the gift of his son dying in your place for your sins and being buried and raised again so that you could have victory and that darkness would never overcome. The second thing I would say is that you, need, you and I need to expose our sin and heart completely and continually to the light in, in the word with others by repentance and confession and, and, and trusting in God and his goodness and encountering Christ and letting him reveal. Many of us come every Sunday and we don't really want God to change our hearts. But that's what he came to do, to transform it, to enlighten you. And so you need to ask God again, God, would you work in my heart? Some of us, some of us think we don't need much. Well, I'm pretty good already. You're not. I've met you. I'm not. We're not. We're being sanctified into the image of Christ. There is no we're pretty good already. There is always more work to do until Christ takes us home. So get before him and confess that and, and get in the word and join a huddle here. Whatever you can to be in constant exposure in the light. And then friends, use the word. This is third. Use the word as the lamp and light to your feet and path. I know that many of you are in really hard situations. I walk in one, you walk in one, and we take more steps day after day being faithful, right? Continue to endure, continue to trust, continue to hope. And I, I pray, as I look at Christmas this year, I just remind it again, Jesus said he was light. It doesn't matter what darkness is around us. I'm going to hold that out, and I'm going to take a few steps, and then a few more. And finally, we have a responsibility to go out of this place and shine that light. Many of us hide it. Many of us do, as the gospel said, put a basket over it. We have a responsibility to take what God has done in our life and to go out these doors and say, do you know who light is? We have light. We need to share light. We need to shine light. We do that a bunch of different ways through good works and through serving, but we also do that through proclamation of the gospel. And we get to know people so that we can tell them who the hope of our salvation rests in. That is on us, to walk in the trueness and the holiness of the light and to go and share it with others. Jesus came as light to shine his light so that you and I could walk in that light. Let's pray. I want to leave us with this from Revelation as we look ahead to what is coming. This is the prophecy yet unfulfilled, but we know is coming. This is in chapter 21, and it says this, John's vision here, and I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb, and the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations. That is the true light that one day we will all experience in Christ. Amen? Have a blessed day. Go in peace. You are sent with the light of the gospel.